All right. Well, well good evening, and uh, I decrease that you may increase, Lord. And welcome to our midweek uh, service. And when we're talking about the power of fellowship, we're talking about the power of fellowship. And <clears throat> I want to preference, um, because this aspect of, of the benefits of fellowship that we're going to talk about today uh, could, be, could be somewhat stretching. Excuse me, one second. Um, and it's, <clears throat> we're going to hit the, the accurate realities of, of, of this particular area that we're going to talk about today in the Power Fellowship. Um, and again, if, it, if, it, if you recognize, man, I could do a little better than that, just set it as a target. If you realize you've been ignorant of that, set it as a target. If you believe you've been doing it well, set it as a target. All right? All right, because we can always evolve and grow. All right, and so, so I want to pick up a little bit of, of where we left, left off last week and then jump into where we are this week. And so um, we had, you know, ended with, I just, uh, with Ezekiel last week, but I want to hit this particular statement. You can't cross over to covenant sticking to your ways and your philosophies. And so, so, so uh, fellowship is about covenant. Um, it is about covenant, and you know you're you're, but you can't cross over the covenant. Even if you coming into a marriage, you're coming into a ministry, you're coming into a a, a, a job or business or or any level of something that you a team. Um, when you establish that covenant, you can't do it sticking to your ways and philosophies or running from the other point of view. A lot of times we find ourselves running from the other point of view. So I want to highlight here, when we run from fellowship, running from fellowship is avoiding accountability. Running from fellowship is avoiding accountability. When you run from fellowship, you're avoiding accountability. And, and this accountability is a, a mark of true humility. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, we're going to... Uh, lock in on verse 11. It's a familiar scripture um, here at our church. We spend a lot of time navigating through 1 Corinthians 13 among some other insights and revelations. So we're going to hit a couple aspects of 1 Corinthians 13 today, but I'm going to lock in on verse 11. Very familiar scripture. It says this, when I was a child, I spake as a child. It says, I understood as a child and I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So, so if, if I'm a child, I'm immature. If I'm a child, I'm more about me and my needs. I'm not seeing outside of myself. Excuse me, again. All right, so when I mature and I become a mature male or female, when I, when I evolve... Now I think outside of myself. As, as we all mature, we start to think beyond just what's going on with us. We, we, we seek to understand more when we mature. Right, so, so I want to highlight something that, that, you know, I studied out years ago when, I, uh, when I've taught um, uh, in the areas of development and growth and maturity. Uh, I learned a long time ago from... Um, this uh, gentleman, uh, 
I'm trying to think of his name. It'll come to me, but but you know his his culture was Jewish, and he was and and he was teaching on uh, bar mitzvah. And so uh, one of my professors in in Bible school was Jewish also, and he was just breaking down the difference between bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah. So bar mitzvah is, is of course uh, the male, and bat mitzvah is the female. And so. Bar mitzvah and bat mitzvah is when you take on your name, and in particular, your character. The word name means character. Or you, you, you take on your purpose. And so, of course, I just mentioned the Jewish culture, but back in uh, some of the African cultures, you didn't get the name because you were birthed in a family. So, you know, so I'm Keith Bradley, my son is Mondale Bradley, the grandchildren are Bradley. So they all have the name. But back then, you, you, you would just be, so let's say my son is Mondale. He's just Mondale. He's Mondale until he gets to a certain age, and it's the same age as uh, Bar Mitzvah and Bat Mitzvah, 12 and 13, and they would send him out like, you know, so, I, so we're in Africa. I sent Mondale out. <laughs> I hope you see this. I sent Mondale out in the bush somewhere with a stick, and I say, well, if you want the name, if you ready for the name, you believe, because you know how around that age, 12 and 13, when it is when they start questioning you, right? You know, everything was all good. You know, you go somewhere, can I go? You know, you're young, you're doing the dishes, even if it's the daughters, can I help? But then they cross over to that age, and you got to ask them to do stuff. And even when you ask them, they're like, well, what you doing that you can't get this done? Right, but that's the age where they're starting to process things a little different. They're starting to consider other things, but they may be considering the wrong things. So at this age, uh, my son believes he's worthy of the name Bradley. So I sent him out with a stick and say, hey, go out there, you know, get a lion, uh, but don't come back without the lion. And he's like, okay, so, so, so you give me a pistol, gun? No, the stick is all you need. <laughs> Just go out there, get a lion, come back with the lion. And so, if you, got, if you came back with the lion, you got the name. <laughs> you know, if you didn't come back, either, you know, the lion took you out, <laughs> or, or, you know, you came back like, well, nah, I ran. <laughs> okay, well, you can hang out, but you still don't have a name, right? And so, so we, we call this the age of accountability, right? And so, so when you look at the word bar or, or, or bat, uh, uh, that first part of mitzvah, you know, it's, it's, you're taking on something. Mitzvah means commandment. You know, it means commandment. So, so this particular uh, uh, place in life is a milestone in, in the life of a Jewish child. It's a time when they take responsibility for their religious life. It's when they take responsibility for their religious life, right? At the age of 12 and 13, it is considered the biblical age of accountability. So they cross over to the biblical age of what? Accountability. And so, so at this particular point, the child is no longer living by grace, but they're growing up to live by faith. They're no longer living by grace, but they're growing up to live by faith. Romans 1.17, they just shall what? Live by faith. Now, so how does this tie into fellowship? Because the interesting thing is for fellowship, it takes what? Accountability, right? And so what's happening is 
we can, we can realize when people, because we know people as we grow, whether it's with teams, ministries, or what have you, uh, even in families, you know, uh, accountability is, is, is a struggle. I know when I was immature, way past 12 or 13, uh, I didn't like accountability. Now, I, would, I wouldn't say, hey, leave me alone. I don't like accountability. I would come up with a justification of why, you know, I ain't really was going to be around because uh, I didn't want you questioning what I was doing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or I didn't want to hear your mouth for what I was doing because I wanted to do what I wanted. To. It took me a while to be able to do anything, so I wanted to do what I want to do. Well, when I got older, got married, well, even with vision, I really didn't want to cast vision because I didn't want questions about the vision. I wanted to get the vision done and then display it, not be getting questions along the way, all right? But I didn't want to be accountable. I kind of rolled as a lone ranger or a rogue agent for a while. Get the word, I'm out. Get the word, I'm out. Even when I first came to church. Why? Because I wasn't used to accountability and I, I wasn't... You know, I wasn't feeling what anybody was saying. And so, so the interesting thing about this, as we're talking about this, basically our true maturity starts with accountability to God. We know that, right? Our true maturity. So let's go back to this bar mitzvah and, and bat mitzvah thing. So when I was thinking through this, because I was talking to somebody earlier, and, I was, uh, and I, was ex- I, was, I was explaining to them, I said, listen, I understand we navigate through a lot of things especially in this culture. There's a lot of offerings, sports, different things as your kids are growing. I said, but we should be playing off of God first. I said, and the reason why, because sometimes God, God, the, the life with God is an addition to when it should be the foundation and then everything plays off of that. I said, now think about it. I said, because when, when, when your kids cross over to 12 and 13, that's the age of accountability. Have you prepared them for the accountability? So when they get to that age, can they take accountability for their walk with God, right? And that's when, the, have we prepared them for that? But, or have, you know, we might have prepared them for sports. We might have prepared them for art. We might have prepared them for dance. Because I watch, I watch, hey, people going to work. They're going to make sure their kids at recitals and stuff like that. And listen, you want your kids to, to, to grow in their talents and stuff like that. So, so, um, uh, how can I say? I'm not poo-pooing, preparing. Listen, I train, I train, Pastor Mel, if you watch, and I got that from you. Uh, I told Pastor Mel I was going to pick with her. She was, she uh, fell asleep. <laughs> when I was ready to go, she was kind of disoriented. <laughs> so it's like, it might be cool that uh, I just roll out right now. <laughs> right, but I got the little poo-poo from Pastor Mel. But I, you know, we, we, tr- we put our son in situations. He wanted to play basketball. We could play basketball. He played AU and stuff like that. But uh, Mondale, Mondale will tell you, uh, our foundation was God. Uh, he said it recently. The best thing you guys could have ever given us, giving me, was God. That was our foundation. And so that means, you know, from time to time, uh, we both had to play the role of Darth Vader because, you know, you're, you're not necessarily feeling that. But we were trying to instill in him what he needed for when he was taking his responsibility in life, he, had accountab- he, had, he, he was going to be accountable to his growth in the Lord. You understand what I'm saying? Has he walked on water? No. But he has the foundation. Hey, 
If, if you ain't got nothing to do, sit down and talk to him. Like he has a, that dude, he be telling me stuff I don't remember we talked about. Both of us, me and, me and his mom. So I'm, so I'm saying that to say, are we playing off of God? Because some of us right now are running from accountability because we weren't trained to take accountability. So it's not a part of our default. Our default is hustle and running, right? And so, so stay with me here. Stay with me. Like, like I said, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but, but just, just stay with us. So our, if, our, if basically our true maturity starts with accountability to God, let's look at this. First John 4. First John 4. I want to walk us to step by step and see how, how, how this, if this makes sense to us. So 1 John 4, verse 20. It says, if a man say, I love God. Now, first accountability is to who? God, right? If a man says, he, if a man says say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar, right? Now, that's the colon. That's the baseline, right? But he's going to explain because, you know, somebody's going to ask the question, what do you mean by hate? Or what do you mean by love, this, that, and the other? So he amplifies it, you know, later on. He says, okay, for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen. So if I love not my brother, that's the definition of what? Hate, right? It says, it says for he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother. So if my first accountability is to God, that means what? I'm accountable to what? Loving my brothers and sisters, right? And we know that from the Scripture says uh, all the commandments hang on these two, right? Love God and love others as yourself, right? So accountability is living in love with our brothers and sisters. Accountability is living in love with our brothers and sisters, right? Now, let's, let's go here to go back to 1 Corinthians 13 so, so we can, you know, as we read in these things, we can look at things through how the Scripture has broken it down to us. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, because what do we just say? Accountability is living in love with our brothers and sisters, okay? Now, I know some, our first thought is living in kindness, Oh, let that go. Don't say this. Don't say that. Oh, that's okay. You know, uh, because I love. No, no, but, but we're going we're gonna to see what this is. Verse 4, 1 Corinthians 13, 4. It says, now, now it starts off with this. This is the first thing. Charity or love suffereth long. Right? So if we're living in love with our brothers and sisters. We're going to have some long suffering, Right? Is that right? That's amen. Okay, hallelujah. People out there in TV land. And it says, suffer long and is kind. So kindness is a part of walking in this love, right? It says, charity or love, envy if not. So I can flow with my brothers and sisters because envy ain't in me. It says, charity vaunteth, not itself, right? Is not puffed up, right? does not behave itself unseemly. Look, look, seeketh not her own. So that person's walking in love is not self-seeking. It's not about me. It's about others. If everybody was about others, we flow better. It's not easily provoked. Didn't say you would never be provoked. That's why, you know, sometimes we trick. Oh, 
You look like you're bothered. They got me on that one, okay? <laughs> you got me, right? But it says not, not, uh, not easily provoke, right? It says, think if no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, rejoice, uh, but rejoices in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity or love never faileth, right? All right, so, so this is how we're operating in love towards our brother. So if you think about the, some of the struggle in fellowship is, is, what about this line? People are a trick. What does it got to do with fellowship? And the reason why it shouldn't have much to do with it is because we're a trick. The person that's saying people are a trick is a trick. To somebody, right? Yeah, so, so we have our little funky attitudes too, right? We, we got our little hustles that getting on people's nerves, you know. Yeah, people be picking up stuff. They be like, you know, you know, uh, you know people got lines like uh, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll designate people as, I don't know, I don't know about them. They're a little shady. They're a little off. They're a little this, that, and the other. So, so everybody has to tolerate something from somebody, Right? So 1 Corinthians 13, 11, when it, because 11 is, was plugged in in, the, in this chapter. We call this chapter what? The love chapter, right? So 11, in, in when it's talking about thinking as a child, speaking as a child, stuff like that, it's talking about love, right? It's talking about maturing in love. So 1 Corinthians 13, 11 is about maturing in love with others, thinking outside of ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 is when I was a child, I thought as a child, spake as a child. Love wasn't even on the radar. It was all about me. But when I became a man, I put off childish things. Things being all about me, seeking my own envy, jealousy, right? Uh, thinking evil, inequity, hustle, right? I, I put off all those things when I matured. Let's look here at Philippians 2. Again, we're talking about the power of fellowship, but we're talking about how an intricate part of it is uh, accountability. And a part of accountability is, number one, accountability to God. But if you're accountable to God, then you're loving God. But you can't love God without loving your brothers. And how you operate in loving your, with your brothers is long-suffering, is patient, is kind, Right? It's operating not, not with uh, funky attitudes or deceptions, right? People get along a whole lot better. You agree? Amen. All right, so Philippians 2, uh, this, is, this chapter is about, uh, the other one was named love. This was the exhortation to be like Christ. It says, verse 2, verse 2, it says, Fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. Now, see, we got to flow together. We got to be like-minded, and that's walking in love, right? It says having the same, look, it, look, he just said it. Be like-minded, having the same what? Love. Being of one accord, of one mind. Having the same love. We don't have to like the same teams, this, that, and the other, but we should have the same core what? Love, right? Selflessness, basically. It said let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. So I'm not striving like, like almost like I got to take and wrestle and hustle my way to do things. And then it's not about vainglory. It's not about me. It's about the whole, right? Not about the self. It's about the whole. 
But in lowliness of mind, that word means humility. But in humility, let each esteem other better than themselves. See, now I can help somebody go to the the next level because I'm not thinking about me. But it's hard to give all of you to someone else if you're thinking about yourself because you think you're going to lose something. Then it says, verse 4, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now I'm in fellowship, right? Now we all can fellowship because it's not about self. Remember we gave the account of Philippians uh, uh, 4 last week how, you know, they basically sold everything, right? And made sure nobody had lack. Well, you can do that. So accountability is also living in humility. Accountability is living in humility. It's not a place you're visiting. You're living in humility. And so, 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 so I, want, I want us to think about this thought. How about maintaining this accountability until you reach the needed change in your life? Not just visiting account, but, but maintaining accountability till you reach the needed change. Not you doing better than you did before. That's not the needed change. You weren't supposed to be doing that anyway. So thank God you ain't doing that no more. So, 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 so in other words, it's like when you, okay, let's use Keith Bradley. So when Keith Bradley fell into the ditch of despair, craziness, deception, and whatever idiot, idiot, idiot things I was doing, I, I was at a surface level where I was supposed to be growing in God and maturing, right? Maturing in his love we're talking about. But I fell into self. And the more I started feeding self, the ditch got deeper and deeper. So then I... I, I, I I get acquainted with Christ at, at this pit that I'm in. And so what I do is I climb out the pit of selfishness and hustle and it being about me. So I'm, I'm no longer in the ditch anymore, but I'm just on the, so I just got back on, on level ground. But I can almost spend all my life giving a testimony of how I was in the ditch and feeling a level of peace that I'm no longer in the ditch but I wasn't supposed to be there anyway. So, 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 but thank God I'm not in the ditch and I'm back on the surface on level ground where now I can grow into uh, a mature man of God and love and fulfill my purpose in the kingdom and be a part of the fellowship, right? Right? Does that make sense? So how about maintaining the accountability because now... I'm back on the surface where I'm, uh, I can embrace accountability now. So instead of backing off of conversation when I'm uncomfortable or at the point of impatience, because that's what I would do. If I was uncomfortable, I'm backing off the conversation. Or I get impatient with the conversation because now you're overwhelming me because I ain't ready for all that right now. Or whether I'm ready or not, I just don't like being uncomfortable. Because I, I don't like looking bad. I don't like making mistakes. I don't like being wrong. So, so how about maintaining the, com- the, the conversation until you reach a mutual understanding? Oh, that would be phenomenal if we could do that. Man, see, 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 what happens is if we keep deferring conversations, tough conversations, we're building up a whole lot of truth that's going to come at us at one time. That's going to overwhelm us to a point where we're shutting down growth, period right? But we think we can just keep dismissing it, and then we tell ourselves, nah, I, 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 hey, let's talk about it when I'm, I'm ready for it. So what is that? 
It's been 10 years. What is that? Now, in 10 years, you're ready for that conversation you're supposed to have 10 years ago. What about all the other conversations that you dismissed along the way? So now we got about 3,500 conversations we got to have when we can just start to challenge ourselves, especially in this year of the power breaking through. Man, imagine a power breaking through all his blessings and favors, but you still can't hold a conversation in truth. You're going to spring a leak and all the blessings are going to flow out, right? Because God is not pouring blessings on our life just for us to, to uh, uh, put ourselves on a plateau. Look at me and look at all my blessings. No, it's all about the kingdom. It's all about fellowship. It's all about being in a position where we can be a blessing to others, right? And, and so, so, so how about, I heard this, how about coming out from the caveman mentality? So what is the caveman mentality? There's only I in this world, and only I can have merit. You said, we got to leave that. No, it's, it's we in this world, and there's a whole lot of people with merit. Right? So we got to come out of that. See, 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 this is the thing. Um, when you say that, you're deflecting someone assessing you. If you're the only one that can have merit, then nobody else can assess you. And see, we are, that assessment is, is a judgment. We are designed to judge. And, and that, and that the, our, us being designed to judge is properly assessing what's the best action in a given situation. See, see, so, so you think about the adversary has leaked in the phrase, don't judge me, but we're designed for this. And so, so a person saying, don't assess me, or what they're really saying is, don't make me aware what's a better way of doing this, or what adjustments I can make to benefit myself. Don't make me aware that I'm in the pit. See, again, we're not talking passing sentence now. Now, because there's, there's the level of judgment when you pass sentence. We're talking about assessment. The word judgment is also an assessment. Judge the situation, assess it to see what's the best action taken in a given situation, right? Let's go here, 1 Corinthians 6. Talked about this a while ago in Bible study fellowship, right? I know what they, you know, uh, they highlighted in the morning. We got into it in the, in the, was it the, the Friday afternoon? But I, but I think this would be totally fitting to what we're about to talk about now. Because we're talking about fellowship, and we're talking about within this fellowship, we're going to have to love each other. We're going to have to speak the truth in love. We're going to have to uh, assess situations around each other. But everybody can't be in their feelings and sensitive, right? Because then we're not going to grow. So here, God gives me something for you, and you're like, I'm not trying to hear that. Why? We're in fellowship, right? That's why we're here, right? All right, so 1 Corinthians 6. Look, it says, uh, dare, 6-1. It says, dare any of you having a matter against another within this fellowship, go to the law before the unjust and not before saints. So it says people are in fellowship, and something throws them off, but they're going to the world to actually assess what's the best action to take in a given situation. All right, verse 2, it says, do you know that the saints shall judge the world, assess the world? It says, and if the world shall be judged by you, 
are you unworthy to judge the smallest matter? It says nothing you're dealing with is judging the world. You know, it's a misunderstanding, but it ain't like that deep. Verse 3, know you not that we shall judge angels, assess angels? Look, how much more things that pertain to this life, right? Verse 4, if ye, if then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. He says, okay, so you have these things that are least. And even when you don't go to the law, you set that you have people that you esteem to pass the judgment in the church that's the least capable of assessing it properly. Right? It, uh, uh, verse 5, it says, I speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a what? It, it says, it says, is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. But bro brother goeth to the law with brother, and that before unbelievers. So we're saying like, okay. It's saying we're in this situation where we're, uh, as we navigate through fellowship, because this is what runs people from fellowship, because like before I got married, I did a whole lot of things that maybe I should and should not do. But once I got married, I'm, somebody... I have some other eyes, and I have another person that can assess what I'm doing. So if I was too slow in getting something done, I had somebody assessing me. Uh, I was, I was uh, talking to my wife uh, on, the way out the, on the way out the house. I said, I said sweetheart, I got to get these stairs done. So we, we, we removed our carpet from, from upstairs in our uh, foyer because we changed that, and then we moved our carpet from our stairs. So I, I basically just have to sand them and paint them and stuff like that. But, you know, we've been on a roll. But I want her to be mindful that I'm mindful. She's like, baby, I'm not even tripping on the stairs. I said, yeah, you're not tripping. I said, but I have to be mindful because they can't be outside out of mine. I got to get these things done. Right? And I said, <laughs> I said, because I don't want to be. She said, no, nah, I'm good. I said, well, I want to be a part of Pastor Mel's testimony. <laughs> and so she started laughing. You know, because I'm in, the, I'm, I'm in the, the Pastor Mel testimony archive as to, hey, you're going to get that door done? This is way back in our first house in Gehanna. And I was like, sure, I got it done. And two years later, I, I didn't get the thing done. So I got into the testimony. <laughs> right? So, so I'm being accountable. Hey, no, no, I'm going to get this done. I, I'm going to take care of this. Right? And so, so there's, when we get into these fellowships, just like I'm around Pastor Mel, and Pastor Mel can say, hey, when you going to do that, bro? Hey, so, so, sweetheart, is that the way you're going? Or, or are you going to cook it that way? I might go, babe, you could use your, this, you could do, do this in the computer, it'd be quicker. Like, we're having these conversations. But suppose every time I say, hey, babe, you could do this quicker in the computer, help, what, leave me out, and like, like she just loses her mind. Or she says, well, babe, you know, you probably can go and do such and such this way. This stuff I would have never done in my life if I didn't have Melanie Brady in my life. And, and you've heard her. I'm sure she would say the same. Well, the same thing comes when we, now we're a part of a church family. When you, get, you become a part of a church family, guess what? People are going to assess things. Why? See, see uh, listen, hey, hey. I know this is, this, this is a real tough one here. Hey, how you been? I ain't seen you in a while. So what you trying to say? 
How you been? I ain't seen you in a while. <laughs> Why, when you hear that phrase at church, somebody has to be indicting you because you haven't been at church? They can't miss you. See, you're showing how you see yourself. Because you hear that phrase at work, when you come back and you ain't been there, they go, hey, man, how you been? I ain't seen you in a while. You don't snap on them at work, but you're going to snap on them in the house. They can't just be, they can't miss you, right? But see, when you're used to flowing in fellowship, just like, because what happens in, in relationships too, you snap on a person because they, they make an assessment, you've converted it into an indictment. They're not indicting you. They're assessing the situation, right? And so, so, so this passage is saying we've converted the God's natural order of things. Remember, the strong bears the infirmity of the weak. So you want somebody to bear the infirmity, but you don't want somebody to address the infirmity so we don't have to carry this any further in the body. See, we're okay with people bearing it, we're not okay with people correcting it. <laughs> yeah, just suffer would be a little longer. <laughs> no, change, right? All right so, so, so again, this is all a part of fellowship. So in 1 Corinthians 6, I just thought it was powerful that he said, one, you run outside of the household of faith to people that you've esteemed because they have a title to say that they can properly assess your situation based on what? The wisdom of God, they ain't pulling from the wisdom of God. Right? Then he said, some of you may not go to the law, but you're, you're in church and you'll esteem certain people that are, are the least of people that have wisdom and you'll run to them. Now, how does that look in church? That's, I know I'm wrong. I'm looking for sympathizers, pacifiers, right? compromisers. And I'm just looking for somebody, and sometimes we already know, well, they compromising, so I'll go to them, and they'll be like, I don't know why Pastor Keith and them talking about that, man. Hey, 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 bro, ain't nothing wrong with have a drink, do this, that, and the other. Okay, who are you going to assess the best action in a given situation? Somebody that you know has no wisdom, but you're going to run from the person that has the wisdom under the guise of, man, I'm not, because I, 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 I know what you're going to say. Okay, well, well, now, good. You don't have to come to wisdom, you know what I'm going to say. Now do what you know you need to do then. <laughs> That's even worse. You know the answer, and you're running from it, right? So, again, power of fellowship. We think power, uh, fellowship and the power of fellowship is pain, but, but it's actually gain. It's a wonderful thing, man. It's, 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 it's the most powerful thing. Um, you know, yeah, so, 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 so if we can uh, bury this phrase, don't judge me, because ju judge me, don't judge me as saying you are rejecting that person's purpose and that pur that's person's purpose in your life is to assess and give you what's the best action for a given situation, right? And so, so th these... Uh, the fellowship is, is, a part of it is God's supervision. Now, now, now I, I put an extra emphasis on supervision. So we know what vision is. 
right? But, but it's also, so, so this supervision is not what? Normal vision, right? It's supervision. And this supervision is the ability to be attentive where others are lax. It's the ability to be attentive. So, so, so proper supervision is a person that has the ability to pick up and assess things in a different way where other people are too lazy or too busy to pay attention. That person with, the, with God-given supervision is attentive and, and paying attention. You ever be around somebody and they go, hey, you ever thought about doing this? Man, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. Are they putting you down? Because they just judge the situation and assess what's the best thing to do. No, they're not putting you down. See, it's not putting you down when it, when, it, when you're comfortable with it. But you're not always going to be uncomfortable. Sometimes it'll shock your system because some of us have not been trained for accountability. We've been trained to play and to wing it for so long, accountability shocks a lot of people at certain levels, right? Some people have been abused with accountability. That's when you're young and your parents give you responsi adult responsibilities but you're not ready for the responsibility or the accountability. So now what happens? It put a bad taste in your mouth, right? And you go, as soon as I can break free, I ain't doing none of this. So now when it's important for you to do, you're playing off of when you, was ab when you were abused with it, so now you're not operating in it at all. It's supposed to be a healthy transition, right? Does that make sense? Right, so, so, so blindness has told us we're above judgment or assessment. Blindness has told us we're above judgment or assessment. People are actually living life like they're above judgment. Fear has had us running from correction. Blindness, again, has told us we're above judgment or assessment. Fear has had us running from correction. Stubbornness has had us stuck in immaturity and afraid to change. And so, so we're cheating fellowship because if I don't grow up, I, I'm, I'm the weakest link, right? I'm, I'm, let's be real. If I, if I don't grow up, I'm, I was the weakest link for a long time. <laughs> you know, like I was needed. All creation's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. I, was, I had a part to play, but I'm playing around. See, see remember when I used that scripture, Romans 8, 19, all creation's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, I always used the lion king. And, and, and it, it was, now, and I've been teaching Lion King with that scripture for ages, you know, way back in Columbus, because what intrigued me was you had, a, you had a king, a future king was scared into a jungle, right? By somebody that was hustling, somebody that was striving to get the throne, somebody that was caught up in vain glory, scar, right? So, he scared away the, the future king, killed the person on the throne. Simba's growing up in the jungle, but now he's not around accountability where somebody's not just assessing him for what's wrong, showing him his process of development. So he's out there playing around the jungle. He ends up growing up, so he looks like a king, but he's playing around like a kid, like a cub, right? He eating bugs. He, remember, he was, he was jumping around. What's that other movie with the elephant? Uh, uh, my cousin played in it. Queen Latifah. What was the, what's the, 
Ice Age, remember? And uh, you playing around, you big, huge elephant, you playing with these little, 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 whatever they was, possums, and you, and you, and you, you, you're a saber tooth, or whatever, you know, like you, not saber tooth tiger, but you know, the mammoth, that's what it was, thank you, right? Same thing, like you out here playing, you don't even see who you are. And, and, and when you watch the movie, they look stupid, don't they? You're like, this big thing is running around. You know, same thing with, with Simba. Like, you run around playing around with bu eat bugs. You're lying, man. You can eat what you want to eat. <laughs> right? And so when, when the, in the movie, when, the, when, the, when the Rafiki comes to him, he says, you're more than you become. And then when he showed him his reflection, he didn't see himself. He saw his dad. He didn't realize he had grown up to being a, being a lion. He had an improper image of himself, right? So he wasn't, look, and he was what? Out of what? Fellowship, right? He was, a, he was a major part of the kingdom, but he was outside of the kingdom, out of fellowship, playing around. Like, 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 like when I was at the club. I'm in there playing around in the club, and I'm supposed to be leading, and, and, and leading people. I'm supposed to be in a position to guide and empower. But I'm just, I'm just weakening myself more and more and more. Just playing around. Hiding. No accountability with nobody. You couldn't tell me nothing. You couldn't catch me. That's why you couldn't tell me nothing. Ain't no way I was at. You get the, back then we had the answering machines. You get my answering machine. Think I was out of town or something. I wasn't out of town. I was right there, upstairs. It just went answering. Yeah, I know somebody's watching that. I knew he was up there. Yes, I was. I didn't want to be accountable. Like I'm, like what you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, you laughed at me. That's what you're doing. You want to be accountable. Why? Why? That's how we grow. It's uncomfortable, but man, it's worth it. It's definitely worth it. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, good. All right, so there's a responsibility and an account accountability that's, that's important. Let's look here. Uh, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Again, we're talking about the power of fellowship. But we're talking about the benefit of accountability because that's a major part of fellowship. And we can't just get, you know, because this is what we say, you know, I just want to be around more people and, and you know, I just feel so lonely. And, 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 and I'm, not, I'm not trying to put that person down, but I'm going to tell you, there is no comfortable way not to be lonely no more. See, and then we train ourselves, I'm just looking for people that will soothe me. No, you're looking for people that will challenge you. Because if they soothe you, they're making you comfortable where you're at, but that's what's frustrating you. You don't want to be there. You want people to challenge you beyond where you're at. See, bearing the infirmities of the week is I'm bearing what you're avoiding. So, so I'm going to deal with the heat of, of, of pressing you to a level that you wouldn't go yourself. Right? All right, so uh, Hebrews 11. 11. All right, so, so, so well, well, I'm going to start with verse 24. We're going to focus on 25. We'll start at verse 24. It says, by faith Moses, when he was come to years, uh-oh, he's just a certain level he had, to, he, he had got to, and now it was time for him to be accountable and responsible for what he was called to do. So when he come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So now, 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 I'm at a certain point where I got to take responsibility for what I'm purposed to do. I can't just be sitting here cushy 
Listen, this dude was the man. He, besides the other son, he had it made. He was with the Pharaoh. He in their house. <laughs> but he was like, no, 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 no. I, I want to take responsibility for my name and my character. Look here. It says, choosing rather to suffer the affliction, suffer affliction with the people in fellowship with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see that? So, so, so he was willing to suffer affliction that it was going to be because what? People was going to trip on him. Remember, they, he trying to help somebody and they snapped on him. People was going to trip on him. People was like, oh, dude, you ain't, you ain't grow up in this neighborhood. You, you grew up with Pharaoh and them. You had a silver spoon. Look at your skin. That's probably them herbs and spices they's putting on your face, huh? Let me see your hands. You ain't got no calluses. You know, I, you know, he had to go through. Now, he was designed to lead them, but he had to be covertly in the enemy's camp to learn the enemy and to be protected from the very enemy that if he was with the other people, he would have got abused, maybe broken. He might have, you know, something would happen. He might have he got killed or something. So when it was time for his release, he goes back to the people, but he wasn't raised like them. Right? But he had to go back into fellowship with them. He had to suffer affliction. Right? Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God in fellowship than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now, we know his end result. He had a following of millions of people. Right? But he had to go through suffering. Right? Some affliction. Right? So he suffered affliction with the people of God rather than escaping accountability by running to seasonal pleasures. And this is what happens. People that try to escape accountability run to seasonal pleasures. They run to temporary relief as opposed to embracing the challenge that's going to get them fulfillment. Okay? So you can't hide in the weak and expect the blessings of strength and accountability. You can't hide in the weak W-E-A-K, and expect the blessings of strength and accountability. You, 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 no, you can't be just burying yourself in weak and think you're going to get those blessings. That's why the Scripture says in Galatians 4, 1 and 2, you're in the tutors and governors to the appointed time of the Father, right? You're under accountability until God's release. You're under accountability to God's release. Now, I mean, that's what our church is about. That's the air of Scripture, right? We, you know, we're equipping heirs for the kingdom of God. You ain't being equipped if you ain't accountable. You're in the tutors and governors at the point in time of the Father. You ain't equipped. You ain't, a, a, that is accountability under tutors and governors. And so, 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 so the goal is to be a person of integrity, not a skating hustler. This is, uh, we pledge uh, back in the, uh, the fraternity days, it was people that pledged and people that figured out a way around it. But they still would somehow, you know, could be the chapter they were in. They could have been athletes. They could have been milking the whole athlete car. I can't be there for uh, uh, my session because I had practice, you know. And so, so guys start picking with people. It's like, oh, he ain't pledged. He skated. <laughs> he skated through, you know. I mean, he got around the, 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 uh, the accountability and the process 
that people have went through when they pledge, right? Don't get, it, don't get bothered because if somebody calls you a skater. That's, I just had to explain. That's, that's where I got the word from, right? And so, so, so when we hustle, again, we're, we're not, see, we're not embracing like what Moses did. Moses could have got around all that stuff. He, he didn't have to, he could have got around suffering affliction, but he wouldn't have ended up fulfilling his purpose. And some people have been training themselves to do that for years. So we want to be not just a person of, of integrity, you, we want to operate in responsibility. That's ownership and press. Responsibility. Ownership and press. So when I'm responsible, I'm owning every stage of, of what I'm purposed to do, and I'm, and, and I'm pressing. See? It's ownership and press. And then accountability. Operating in accountability is exposure and willingness to be measured. So when I'm operating accountability, I'm exposing myself. I'm not hiding, right? And, and I have a willingness to be measured, to be tested. You know, for years, you know, God gave me this word measure because I, I would, you know, people can hype up anything. You know that, right? We can make anything look sweet. And so even when I was around leaders, a lot of times, certain situations, people would hype up stuff. And, and I, I'm, I don't think I'm better than nobody. I just like, could we measure it? Because we keep doing stuff and hyping it up. But if, but if we get no results, we're not in reality. You know, even as we've grown here at the church, and I know we'll return to it, but we did, uh, we did our Ayers Life Conference. The first one I thought was, it was great. Uh, the second one, we didn't have as good of a turnout, even though we had more people said they were coming. Well, it, it was all on our dime. We didn't do it for profit, uh, and we were young. Uh, so that was, how old was we then? Five years old? Four? Three? Y'all sure? All right, so three years old. Limited resources, but we, we took care of people. We took care of hotels. For the people that went, that was, whether it's praising, whether it's they helped with the books or whatever, we wanted to make sure it was comfortable for people to go, but we wanted to deposit a seed in that city. Like, like we, 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 didn't, we didn't make a profit. If people would have kept coming, we would have kept doing it. But the fact that people said it was coming, they didn't come. I was like, well, we ain't showing up just to say, hey, we, we doing a conference. We was actually really trying to, it, it, was, it, was a, it was, basically it was a request, you know, and so we met the request. The request was, could we meet halfway? We went all the way, <laughs> right? And so we, you know, it just wasn't feasible. We had to shut it down, right? So, so why? Because we measured it, right? Uh, man, we almost had, I don't know if y'all remember this, some of y'all been around, we almost had an event every month. Because I remember we did the, we did the, we had the relationship boot camp. So we had New Year's, relationship boot camp. That, remember we used to do that? No, we used to do that in January, remember? Yeah, the relationship boot camp was in January. Then we had the, uh, the, the, uh, the singles uh, conference. Then we had uh, retreat. Then we had Mother's Day, Father's Day. Uh, then we had the... Uh, Anniversary, which was in J July, and then 
Yeah, I don't know. Then we had something else, of course, and we ended up in the year. Man, we looked at that. We measured. We said, man, we can't be happy. We can't even plan. We have an, a, 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 we have an event every month. You know, like, like, like by the time we finish one, we're jumping into another one. It just wasn't feasible. So we measured it, right? So, so again, accountability is exposure and willingness to be measured. It's not freelance, right? It's not freelance. See, let's look here. Let's look here. Luke 16. Everybody had their pet peeves. I, I do got a pet peeve about freelancers. I've been having that pet peeve for a long time. <laughs> you know, um, because it's, never mind. Let me finish what I was supposed to do here. So Luke 16, verse 2. And it says, and he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? It says, now, now this was a certain rich man which had a steward, and the same accused him that he had wasted his goods. And he called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer a steward. He measured him. He had to give an account of his stewardship, right? So this is not something we're making up. Accountability is right here in the Bible. Let's look here, Acts 19. Acts 19, and we'll lock in on verse 40. Look, look, it says, For we are in, are in danger to be called in question for this day's uproar, there being no cause whereby we may give account for this concourse. So these are people, they doing wrong. <laughs> they caused a commotion, and they says, hey, 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 we, we're going to have to give account for this. We just can't be doing stuff, you know. We're going to have to be able to explain this. Uh, let's go here, Matthew 12. Matthew 12. We all know this. Matthew 12, and we'll lock here on verse 36. Now, now in your previous verses, you know, you need to make the tree good and the fruit good, you know. Uh, yeah, a good man out of good treasures of his heart bring forth good fruit. An evil man out of evil treasures of his heart, you know, you know, brings bad fruit, basically. It says, uh, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak, right? We know that, right? And in verse 36, it says, but I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, look, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. In the day of what? Judgment, assessment, right? It says, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. Right? So, so, so even there you have to, you know, when you're operating in accountability, you got to own your words. You know, you got to be in fellowship, you got to own your words. You know, uh, just give you this list of, of uh, this is an owning your word outline, but I, I just want to give you these, these thoughts. Even, even as couples, are you, a, are, are, are you couples holding each other accountable? Are you, expecting and, are you expecting and expected to honor your word, even in a relationship? Or can you just be saying anything? And if, if not called out on your word, are you humbly referencing your word and the adjustments that will be made? 
So in other words, even somebody don't call you out on your word, are you operating in such an integrity that you say, I know I told you this, but I'm going to have to re- redo that, right? Are you owning your words or just theoretically speaking sound? You know, just talking. The- you know, just theorists is just talking. Are you reflex lying? So even, the, uh, 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 and I know I focused on couples, but in every relationship we're in, are we just reflex lying? Right? Because you're going to have to give account of that. Are we, do we have ulterior motives? See, genuine motives believe. When I have genuine motives, motives, I'm operating in belief. I trust God, right? Ulterior motives operate off unbelief. So when I have ulterior motives, I don't trust God, so I have to, I trust my hustle, Right? And this is the tough part is when ulterior motives uh, operate off of unbelief, unbelief blinds you from the consequences. Unbelief blinds you from the consequences. So, so the thing is you may have the hustle because of unbelief, but now that you're unbelief, you're in that dark place, you can't see the consequences. So you, you, you continue to carry out the hustle, right? The Bible says this in Psalm 37, 23. It says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. That means I'm accountable to God, right? I'm not just out here doing whatever. I'm accountable. That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart, lean not to thy own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I'm accountable, right? Let's look here at uh, Proverbs 14. Because that's accountable if I'm leaning not to my own understanding, right? Proverbs 3. But look at Proverbs 14. Verse 12 it says, there, there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are ways of death. It starts off, but one way seems right to a man. It says, but the end thereof are ways, plural, multiple ways of death. All because we weren't accountable. You go to uh, uh, Proverbs 16, verse 2. Look, it says, all the ways of man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth, measureth the spirits, judges the spirits, assess what's in our spirit. All our ways seem right to us, right? So we need to be accountable. And, and, and I get it. You know, we think that, that this requires perfection, but responsibility and accountability doesn't require perfection. It's the tool to develop perfection. When we're talking about perfection, we're still going, we're still playing off of 1 Corinthians 13. It's maturity. To be complete is to be mature. Mature in love. Mature in love where I maintain fellowship. I pour in a fellowship. My cup runs over in fellowship. And the fellowship grows. Right? All because I'm giving my love to my fellowship. That's why people aren't winning souls, because they had to bring the souls into fellowship. And they want to reserve the souls for whatever, you know, maybe, maybe their private uh, uh, home ministry or something. You know what I'm saying? But that's not operating in, in, in the love of God at all. And so, so when the Bible tells us, uh, Deuteronomy 1.8, you can read it when you have time, when it tells us to go and possess, Right? When they told them to go into possession, you know what he was saying? 
go and possess, that leads us to our place of responsibility and accountability. When, when, when God is moving us towards something, he's moving us towards a responsibility and accountability. See, so even when we are learning the word, it's not about learning, it's not about knowing his word only. Or responsibility to possess. I'm sorry. It's not about. I'm sorry. Let me put it this. I'm gonna, I got to say it the way I wrote it. I was about to change it. Is it about knowing his word only or a responsibility to possess revelation to share? So it's not about me just knowing the word. It's about me embracing or possessing a revelation that I'm going to share. Right. Let's, let's look here. Uh, let me close out with this passage of Scripture, uh, Philippians 2. Philippians 2. I know we read 2 through 4 earlier, but we're going to read 5 through 8. Um, I think I have the Amplified here. So I'll read that Amplified. It says, have this same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example and look, selfless humility. It says, who, although he existed in the form, in the form and unchanging essence of God, as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or asserted, right? As if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, didn't try to control or try not to lose it was secure in what he had, but emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity, but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity. By assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man, for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the Father to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here, this is processing through Jesus because it says, let this mind be in use also in Christ Jesus. It says, then count it robbery to be equal with God. So in this particular case, this is talking about how even though, I don't know if that's me, but even though, even though he operated in a certain flow, like, like he knew, listen, I just came from heaven. And this is what we do. If we were Jesus, we would try to make sure we told everybody, you know who I am? You know, like, 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 or we would try to use some, some of the power that we had. But his job was to be accountable and responsible for his assignment and to show us how to operate as men taking on a godly nature and dependent on God unto death. So he completed that assignment. Keeping it real, that's the description of Moses not taking the pleasures of sin for a season. Jesus using any of his power would have been taking pleasures of sin for a season versus 
coming into fellowship and enduring the affliction of what he had to navigate through in the fellowship and boxing out. So Moses didn't try to use his, his pharaoh clout. He was willing to start from scratch and win people to follow him, not hustle people to follow him. He ain't throwing no candy, no nothing. Jesus, same thing. He didn't operate in his clout as the son of God. He wasn't trying to hustle nobody. He was willing to go through the process. He, hey, some of us be tripping if we believe we, uh, we have certain accolades, we got certain experience, we got certain degrees, and then we're like, oh, 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 listen, been there, done that. I mean, I've had ministers like, oh, no, I don't do that. Right? So, Jesus, the Son of God. If anybody could say, I don't do that, it would have been Jesus, right? But he did it. He washed feet. He served at every level. He was accountable at every level. So, and where is he now? Sitting on the right hand of the Father with all power. Because he was obedient, accountable unto death. And was willing to embrace whatever took place in the fellowship. Listen, now... Moses was going to be talked about, they was threatening him. Jesus got more than threats. He got put on that cross. All because he came in a fellowship. He could have avoided that. The pain for all of us to come together, and the the scripture says when he died, that power is what's given us access to be in fellowship with God. So, So we have to think through these things and because we're causing delays. We're causing delays in the kingdom. All creations wait for the manifestation of the sons of God, waiting for us to get in our rightful place. You know what our rightful place is? In fellowship. Not constantly trying to run. Uh, okay, so this is not necessarily biblical, but I, I like to use it when I, when I think about this. So I think about the movie The Temptations. <laughs> and, and one of my favorite parts is the dude that got mad it was New Year's party, got mad, and uh, took the bottle, and, and uh, I don't know if he hit Blue or whoever he hit. He hit Paul, so he hit him in the head. You know, so he get, they kicked him out the group, right? And so when it was on the Ed Sullivan show, he's sitting at a bar, sees him on the show, and he's like, man, because he could have been a part of the fellowship. See, 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 he tried to abort fellowship because he was thinking about himself. I should be doing this. I, man. And, and then he thought he was above singing at a, uh, the New Year's party. Man, come on. This ain't, this ain't no real gig. Right? He thought he was above that. And he, he missed out on one of the longest lasting groups in history. Right? And we do the same thing because we get antsy looking for pleasure when we're supposed to be embracing the affliction, you know, to get into fellowship and to go through the process to bury ourselves in fellowship and let God resurrect us from there. All right, so that's all for the day in the power of fellowship. <laughs> I just thought, uh, you know, I, I, God was breaking it down. I just thought, it's, you know, man, God loves us, man. He's really giving us the answer. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know when you be like, what's the, 
What's going on? He's giving us the answers, man. You see, life is, is, is depressing if you don't know what to do or you don't know what you've done or if you don't know what to change. But it's not hopeless when somebody tells you what you need to do. Right? Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. All right, any thoughts or insights from what you heard today? What stood out for you? What did it make you think about? How are you challenged? 